This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. We are in a study of the Sermon on the Mount, the gospel according to Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And it is titled, Making the Good Life Real. We want reality. We don't want to be living in some superficial way or spiritualized way that has nothing to do with the lives that we live hour by hour, day by day. Tyler Lineker preached on Matthew 6 and its relationship to prayer, focusing on Jesus' teaching. And prayer should be simple, honest, and we should not stop. In the passage, we will read today from Matthew 7, beginning with verse 7. We will be listening to Jesus take us deeper into the fundamental reality of prayer. Matthew 7, beginning with verse 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, good things to those who ask him? In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are willing to ask that you would speak by the Holy Spirit to us. And that by hearing we may believe and that we may be shaped and reformed and empowered to live with you and for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Howard Thurman was a black theologian and civil rights leader. He shaped the character and the vision of Martin Luther King Jr. through his deep theology and through his conviction of nonviolent action. Thurman wrote 20 books. He was the dean down in Boston at BU's Marsh Chapel. And while he was serving in Marsh Chapel, he wrote one of his many books. And he tells a story that I will summarize for you now. There was a man who dreamed of going to a large city. He arrived in the morning by train, and there was snow flurry everywhere, covering the ground with snow. 
The red cap and the baggage handler were warmly dressed, but the man noticed that they wore no shoes. How curious on such a cold day. He got on the bus, and none of the passengers on the bus were wearing shoes. He arrived at the hotel and checked in. No one in the hotel lobby was wearing shoes. Finally, his curiosity got to him, and he asked the, the man behind the desk, what was this practice? What practice? asked the man. Well, why don't you wear shoes in this city? The manager replied, ah, oh, that's just it. Why don't we? Well, the man asked, what is the matter? Don't you believe in shoes? And the manager replied, believe in shoes? My friend, I should say we do. It's the first article of our city. Shoes. They're indispensable. They make walking more comfortable, not to speak of the cuts and sores and suffering they prevent. Shoes are wonderful. Well, then, why don't you wear them? Asked the man. Ah, that's just it. Why don't we? Said the manager. Well, that afternoon, the visiting man went to a coffee shop where he saw another very kind man without shoes, and the kind man offered to take him on a tour of the city. The first stop was a very large brick building, and the gentleman told the visitor that this is one of our outstanding shoe establishments in the city. Oh, said the man. You make shoes here? No, said the gentleman. We talk about making shoes here. And believe me, we have brilliant speakers on the subject. Last week, a specialist talked most convincingly on the subject of shoes, and he brought us to tears. It was so effective. Well, the visitor asked again, why don't you wear them then? Ah, said the host, that's just it. Why don't we? In our passage today, Jesus urges us to pray. We talk about prayer, don't we? But that's just it. Why don't we pray? So in our time together, I'd like us to look at what happens when we pray, why we don't pray, and one rule to help us. What happens when we pray? Jesus tells us, Matthew 7, verse 7, is something you should memorize. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Do you notice what's common in all three of those? Everyone is in need of something. Need. They need something they don't have. They're on the wrong side of the door that's closed in front of them. They, they've lost something or they want something they do not have. 
three imperatives. And yet six times, in six different ways, Jesus almost begs us to pray. He promises that simple asking receives, simple seeking finds, simple knocking opens the door. Let me tell you what happened a week ago Saturday when we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Jim was an inpatient at St. Francis Hospital. Many of you were praying for him, and God was at work using your prayers. A man named Rick came to the hospital room to see us. Rick lives in Tulsa. We've known him for a long time. He was one of the groomsmen in our wedding 43 years ago. Rick told us how about 40 years ago, he went through a painful divorce with his first wife. And he recounted the most heart-wrenching moments when he was standing on the driveway of his almost empty house, watching as his ex drove off in a U-Haul. And there was his two-year-old son looking through the weir window at his father. And he watched as that little face faded out of view. It was the lowest time of Rick's life. His faith was just as low. A few weeks after his ex left, he went to a nightclub where a friend of his was playing in the show. And after the show and a few drinks, he and his friend went for a drive. His friend offered him a joint to smoke. And they were in the backwoods of a rural area on the roads, pitch black, driving fast, and the car was going up toward an incline, and for some reason, Rick does not know, he slammed on the brakes. Just as he did, a freight train screams past two inches from the bumper. It was like an earthquake shaking the car and rattling their bones. They drove home in complete silence, and when Rick got to his empty house, he switched on the TV, and there was a televangelist pointing directly at him. And he said, are you running away from your life? Are you running away from God? Run to him instead. Call on the name of the Lord, and he will answer you. Rick switched off the TV, fell on his face, and called out on the name of Jesus to rescue him from the pit he was in. God answered Rick in gradual yet very real ways. And has remade Rick from the inside out. And has rebuilt his life to be more than he could ever imagine. Rick moved to Tulsa and was closer now to his son. He took a job that he still enjoys. He married a wonderful Christian woman. He has more children. Rick is an elder in his Presbyterian church. He's the proud new 
grandfather of a baby girl. Ask, and it will be given you, Jesus promises. Search, seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door that is closed in front of you will be open. A pastor named Earl Palmer notes that there are two required credentials for us to be assured that God will answer our prayer. Are you ready? Do you meet these? The first credential is that we are in need. The second credential is that we decide to ask God for help. Those are the two credentials, that we have a need and we decide to ask for God's help. Jesus promises what happens when we pray. Everyone who asks received. Everyone who searches finds. Everyone who knocks on the door, it will be opened. This is the principle that you can take to the bank. The way to receive from the Father is to talk to him. What is your first instinct when you are in need? Last Saturday, another visitor was in the hospital room. It was Jim's surgeon, Dr. Simon. He told the story of why he and his family moved to Tulsa. He was in a medical practice in another city for years before some physicians in that practice began to engage in unethical behavior. Dr. Simon spoke up, and he was unwilling to compromise with what they were doing and persisting in doing. As a consequence, the group wrote him a letter and dismissed him from their practice. It was hurtful. It was unfair. What was Dr. Simon's first instinct? Upon reading the letter, he left his medical office and he drove to the church. He asked permission to go into the sanctuary to pray. It was late afternoon, the sun was setting. He sat in a pew and prayed, God, what should I do now? Silence. God, I'm seeking you. Guide me so that I know what I am supposed to do. Silence. Show me the light. Immediately, all the lights in the sanctuary went on. And a voice from the back said, Dr. Simon? It was the voice of the church custodian. I heard you were in here to pray, and I thought you could use some light. God answered that prayer, and through an extended period of one open door after another, it was God's leading of Dr. Simon to move to Tulsa to start a national center for prostatic health and cancer treatment. He and his family moved to Tulsa four weeks 
before Jim needed that surgery. Do you see how God provides when we ask? Remember, the way to receive from the Father is to talk to him. If you don't talk to God, what do you do with your needs? Well, some people go around with heavy burdens that they never turn into prayer. Some people would rather talk to friends or to their family about their problems or lie awake all night worrying. Some people would rather do almost anything rather than talk to God about their needs. Are you one of those? Why is it that many of us have trouble praying and asking? Well, one, which I don't find that often, but it is sometimes you'll come across, is that there are people who don't feel that they need anything. They're satisfied with themselves and with their environment. It's like that, that song in Oklahoma musical, I've got a wonderful feeling, everything's going my way. There was a woman down the street from us in another city who was this way. She was well-educated and attractive. She had a boyfriend, lots of friends, great-paying job, superb benefits. And she told us that she couldn't think of a, a reason to think about God or talk to God. She was self-satisfied. Maybe you know someone like this, or maybe this is your way. Now, other people have another reason to not pray. They don't feel qualified. They don't feel like they're on God's favored list. Now, at the end of every semester, you have students who are on principal's list or dean's list. They have achieved something, and it's noted. Their name is there. Some of us feel that we cannot ask God because we haven't done anything special or we're guilty. It's like he doesn't owe us any favors. We don't qualify. Now, what does the Sermon on the Mount teach? It starts off with Jesus inviting those who mourn, those who are poor in spirit, those who are thirsty, those who have needs, and he begs us to bring them to him. Everything will be given. Remember the first credential in prayer, you need something. The second, you turn to God for help. Have you done that? Now, some people, they don't pray because they don't want to bother God. They think in fact, that they should be able to take care of themselves. And if they can't, they might ask. When we moved to New England, the people who sold us our house told us about what good neighbors we had. What makes them good neighbors, we asked. They don't bother ya. <laughs> okay. Well, none of us want to be bothering of others if we're frequently asking for a little cup of sugar or seeking some extra help with our lawnmower or knocking late at night, we're, we would 
to be considered rude in our relationships with people, but not with God. Remember what you heard in Isaiah 65.1. I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask, to be found by those who did not seek me. One of the mentors of St. Augustine, or Augustine, um, was Chrysostom. Chrysostom said this. He said, it is not coming to God that displeases him. It's not coming to God too much. It's not coming to him that displeases him. Well, why, why, why maybe some other people don't pray? Well, it's because their view of prayer is that it's like a slot machine. Here's my prayer. I put it in like I am at Las Vegas. Pull the lever. Never get anything. I'm never one of those that win anything. Why bother with prayer? It won't do anything. Well, God is not an impersonal slot machine. Jesus teaches us that prayer is like asking a, ch a child asking his or her father for something nourishing to eat. Jesus says, is there anyone among you that would not give what was asked, would give something bad for the child that asked for something good? I will ask you, if you're at the grocery store and your child or your grandchild asks you to buy them something good to eat, how many of you will give it to them if they asked? Jesus said, how much more will your Father in heaven give to those who ask? God is not a slot machine. God is your heavenly Father, Abba, Papa. The number one reason, the number one reason we do not receive much more is that we do not ask. In the top of your bulletin, James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You do not have because you do not ask. When I was in seminary, I had the opportunity to read John Calvin's Institute of the Christian Religion. John Calvin was a leading pastor theologian in the Protestant Reformation centered on Geneva and he considered the father of the Presbyterian denomination. Calvin recognized that prayer is the primary way we exercise our faith. Prayer is the primary way we exercise our faith because God buries treasures right under the surface of the ground. Prayer is the shovel that digs up the treasures that are there for us to find. To neglect prayer, to not pray, is to leave the treasures buried. You may ask, well, why should I pray if God already knows my needs? Because prayer is for our sake. We don't pray in order to change God's mind. We pray in order for God to change us. Prayer, when we receive these treasures, increases our joy. 
It increases our gratitude, and we recognize that everything we have comes from God. The more we pray, the more answers we receive. The more answers we receive, the greater our trust. The greater we trust, the more joy and freedom and confidence we have in the world. That God hears us and loves us. Perhaps you are convinced that you want to pray. So what's going to help you keep going? This is the one rule that helps us to pray. It's the golden rule. Verse 12 in our English translation says, In everything do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets means this is the entire summation of what God expects from the Old Testament. So then is what is missing in our English translation. It's the hinge. So we've learned how to ask and to seek and to knock. The hinge is so then, so then, do unto others as you would have them do to you. You would say, well, that's kind of puzzling. It makes no sense why we're learning how to pray and somehow or another I'm supposed to treat others the way I want them to treat me. It's because everything that Jesus teaches about asking and seeking and knocking in prayer will show itself in the way we live in relationship to those around us. Living with people is our greatest need. Did you know that? <laughs> Living with people is our greatest need. If it's not your neighborhood, it might be your country. If it's not your country, it might be another country. If it's, if it's not the country, it may be this globe that we live on, this planet that we live on. There is need everywhere, and we are given the eyes to see how to pray by the people around us. Living with people is our greatest need. Therefore, we are prompted to pray because the people around us. As we have experienced generosity of God giving to us, we then generously give to those around us. Let me give you two short vignettes. A few weeks ago, I was at CVS. Not a lot of people in line, which is nice. The woman behind the counter looked haggardly, like she hadn't slept in a long time. Very, very much slumped. So I did what I would want someone to do. How are you doing today? I don't know how many asked her that. She said, I'm tired. I said, um, do you work long hours? Her answer, I work here, and then I work when I get home. I said, is there a lot of responsibility at home? My husband has stage four cancer, and I am his sole provider, so I do everything for him. Well, what would you want to do, want someone to do, if that was your story? Would you like a curbside prayer? That's what I asked. 
She said, yes. So I've taught some of you in this congregation about this. It's just called an open-eyed prayer. You don't have to look like you're praying, but you're praying. And I said, Lord, what's your husband's name? Lord, would you know the situation with this woman and, and the husband, and you know her needs. Would you hear her prayer? Our prayer is that you'd rest her and heal him and help him. Amen. Three sentences. She said, thank you. Maybe six weeks later, I saw her again and asked how her husband was. She looked better. She said, he's responding to treatment beautifully. It's so much better than it was. That's one vignette. Another. Yesterday, I mailed a certified letter at an unnamed U.S. post office, which qualifies over the years for being the worst in customer treatment. True to form, with my request, I was handled gruffly and rudely, which is an opportunity to pray silently for all those who work there and the toxic environment that must be everywhere in this place. Lord, would you please help this gentleman to know he's loved and whatever his burdens are? And I'm praying this in my heart, and I can say, thank you, and leave knowing God has heard that prayer. Jesus said, how would you like to be treated? Well, act accordingly. The golden rule is the prompt to pray. Do you see? Ask, seek, knock. The world will be different because of it. In conclusion, remember that city where they believed in shoes but never wore them. Do you pray? If you do, you will receive and the world will benefit. If you do not pray, you are going through life without shoes. So why not ask? Let's pray. Jesus, when we put on shoes day after day, would they become prompts? And would people and their needs and their rudeness become prompts? And that through the prayers may the sunlight of Jesus Christ and the nearness of the kingdom come ever nearer, not only to us, but to all those we touch. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.